with me, please, to uh, John chapter number 1. We're going to be looking at verses 43 through 51. John chapter 1, verse 43 through verse 51. This morning, I want to entitle my message, The Problem with Prejudice and the Power of a Savior. Look in the 43rd verse there. It says, The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip. And saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. I love that verse. Look at the next part. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you this morning. Thank you so much for meeting with us. Lord, how refreshing it is to be in your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for touching hearts during this time together. Thank you, Lord, for already speaking to my heart. Thank you for grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness. Lord, I'm thankful today that your word is truth. And Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity and privilege you've given me to preach your truth to these people. Lord, I can do nothing of myself, and I want to do nothing of myself but I ask you now in Jesus' mighty name that you have your way, your will in these services. Holy Spirit, would you please speak to me and speak through me directly to the hearts of these people. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray for your sake. Amen and amen. Now, if you've turned on your television in the last month or picked up a newspaper in the last month, you've probably saw that um, there's a picture being painted that I believe has been blurred by political platforms to make it look like there is a great racial divide in this country. You see it everywhere. Um, I, I, see, I think that the people who want to divide this country are doing absolutely everything they can in their power to divide this country. I don't think... Race relations are as bad today as they have been in the past, at least not in the world where I live in. In the, my day-to-day -day life, I think race relations are better than ever. Now, there's a certain group that have a political agenda that wants you to believe otherwise. And we see it plastered all over the television and over the newspaper. And that's not to say that we don't have a problem with prejudice. As long as you live in a fallen creation with sinful people, you're going to have a problem with prejudice. But I want you to know that it is few and far between. The problems I see 
are with a very, very small group of people on both sides of the issue. I think that we're being lied to to a certain degree and we're being made to believe by political propaganda what the news media wants us to believe. You say, well, Brother Israel, what about uh, these NFL players that are kneeling with the playing of the national anthem? And let me say before I go any further, if you're here this morning and you served our country, let me first of all say that we love you and we're thankful for you if you have served or you are serving, why wouldn't you, won't you join me this morning in just giving a hand clap of thanks for all of those? Yes. We are thankful for what our service men and women have done and are doing. Now, getting back to these NFL players, I want to tell you what I think that shows me. What I know it shows me. It shows me a bunch of pampered, ungrateful, Overpaid prima donnas who want attention more than anything else. It shows me a bunch of guys who um, are wanting to do the next trendy thing and get on Sports Center. It shows me a bunch of guys who have completely lost touch with where they come from and the reality that a lot of people just like themselves are still living in. Most of these guys don't know what they're protesting or why they're protesting. And I'll agree, I don't know what they're protesting and why they're protesting. Why would you kneel during the national anthem? Why would you kneel at the presentation of our flag? It being the symbol that provides for you the freedoms that you have in this nation. Are you protesting your right to protest? Because that's what that symbolizes. Are you protesting um, what... The, our Constitution says that every man, woman, boy, and girl that is an American has a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Are you protesting that? Because I'm confused. Everybody has the right to protest, but I think it would be wise to know what you're protesting and the time to do it. Now, my biggest problem with these guys are the influence that they are having over our kids today. I read in, um, I think it was, uh, it was on the internet, but it was, I think, from the New York Post. Last week I was reading that, uh, said that they said that in Cahokia, Illinois, an eight-year-old football team kneeled uh, for the playing of the national anthem. Eight-year-old little boys. First of all, that's a problem with parenting. That's a problem with a coach over a youth football team. There's greater problems there. But let, let me just say, what if these NFL players used their influence, used their blessing to be a blessing? What if they went up to Cahokia, Illinois, and, and these other inner city areas throughout this country and sat down with these kids and said, you know what, guys, we live in the greatest nation upon the face of the earth. And if you work hard, you get dedicated to your craft. You do the right thing. You can be successful just like I've been successful. What if they said that? What if they said, you know what, you could be the next senator in this state. You could be president one day because after all, we just had a black president that was elected to two terms in office. That goes to show me in this country, regardless of your race, regardless of your color, you can be what you want to be if you're willing to work for it. Now what if they said that? But now listen, they ain't going to say that. Let me tell you why, because they don't put that stuff on Sports Center. They don't put that on the evening news. 
even though it would be helpful. I think we're being lied to to a large degree. I really do. You say, well, brothers, what about the riots that we saw in Charlottesville, Virginia a few uh, uh, weeks ago, maybe about a month ago now? Let, let me say this concerning that. What I saw in that was ignorance to a large degree on both sides of the issue. I saw some people with shaved heads waving flags that had swastikas on them that were ignorant. And I saw some people dressed in all black with masks over their face that were ignorant. And if they're still doing that stuff, they're still ignorant. Let me go a step. I don't even think they're ignorant because ignorance is when you don't know any better. These people know better. They just choose to do what's wrong. They're stupid. There's a lot of stupid people in the world. Stupidity is running rampant. Common sense is a thing of the past. We're in a terrible shape. <laughs> and the greatest problem is our spiritual problem. So there's a lot of stupid people. But now listen, there's a lot of other people in this country that are not as stupid. Now, let, me just say, let me say this. How many know Jesus loves stupid people? Brother Israel's living proof of that. I used to be really stupid. I mean, I used to do some really stupid things. But by God's grace, he changed my life. Can you say amen? Jesus is still saving stupid people. And I'm glad of it. And I'm certainly not where I need to be now, but I'm, not, I'm definitely not where I used to be. And I'm a work in progress by the mercy and grace of God. And I'm so thankful. Praise the mighty name of Jesus. He loves stupid people too. And he can change those stupid people that I saw on the television. But I want you to know if I'm supposed to choose a side in that mess, I choose neither. I don't want any part of that junk. Either way, the only flag I'm concerned about is the United States of America flag. That's the flag I'm under. You can do whatever the rest of them. I'm sick of this junk. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. We get all riled up about crazy stuff that don't make a hill of beans. And so I believe we're being lied to to a large degree. The stupidity that I see comes from a very small segment of people in this country. Let me tell you what I see in my everyday life. About a, I guess about a month ago, during the same time that that was going on in Charlottesville, I was working down in Tuscaloosa, which is out of my area. I usually only work in Marion and Winston counties, but we were down there working, doing some paving and on 2059 between Tuscaloosa and Birmingham. And the morning that I got there to, on the job site, I was waiting for us to get started, and I was standing outside my truck. There was another young man that pulled up right beside me and got out. He was a black guy. He walked over to where I was, and we got to talking. Let me tell you what I found out. His name's Malik, and Malik is from a small town just like I am. He's 34 years old. I'm 38 years old. As we began to talk and get to know one another there, we found out we had a lot in common. He's got two kids. I've got three kids. He's been married 14 years. I've been married 16 years. He's a deacon in his church and loves Jesus, and I love Jesus. And so we sat there and got to know one another and began talking. And we, really, we talked a whole lot about the craziness that was happening at that time in Virginia. And we talked about how those people just need Jesus. Can you say amen? Because that fixes a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. When you make Jesus your first priority, you're going to love God and love people. Can you say amen? amen? 
And so from my own experience in the world that I live in day by day, I don't see what I'm being shown by the television news media. Now, there is a problem with certain people that needs to be, be fixed. And the problem with prejudice is this. If I had just looked at Malik just because of the color of his skin and wanted nothing to do with him, I would have missed out on getting to, getting to know a great guy, someone I'm still friends with now. And that's the problem with racism. That's the problem with prejudice at its core. But I want you to know, listen to me, this is not a new thing. It's been here as long as men have walked upon the face of the earth, as long as we have been in a sinful, fallen creation. We have a sinful nature and it shows up sometimes in the form of prejudice. Even right here in the Word of God we see it. In John chapter number 1, Nathaniel had a prejudice. And we're going to look at that this morning. Let's look at John chapter number 1 and verse number 43. The Bible says, The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and he finds Philip, and said unto him, Follow me. The first thing that I want you to notice here in the 43rd verse is the finding of Philip. The finding of Philip. The Bible says, Jesus found Philip. Can you say amen to that? Now I want you to know something. Uh, that, that verse speaks volumes to me because, folks, Jesus also once upon a time found Israel Price. He found me. And I want you to know if you're here this morning and you've, you've been born again, you've trusted in Christ as your personal Savior, there was a time when he found you as well. You say, oh, wait a minute, Brother Israel, I think I found Jesus. No, you didn't. You didn't find Jesus because you weren't looking for Jesus, and I wasn't either. In our sinful state, in our sinful nature, we don't want nothing to do with the things of God, really. I mean, the thing, good things that we do, usually for our own benefit, we're not doing them for the honor and glory of God in our sinful state. And so us, before we met Christ, we weren't looking for Him. We didn't want Him. You say, brother, how do you know that? Well, take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter 10, excuse me, Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. The Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous, none righteous. There's nobody who adheres to the standard of God. There's nobody that does everything God says to do and don't do everything God says you shouldn't do. There's none that's righteous. No, not one. Look what it says in the next verse. There is none that understandeth. There is none, none that seeketh after God. In our sinful state, we're not trying to find God. We're trying to please ourselves. We're going our own way, doing our own thing, doing what feels good to the flesh. But praise God, because of His mercy, He found me. Because of His love and grace, He found me. I'm thankful for that this morning. And if you've been found, He found you as well. We're just like Jesus spoke about in Luke chapter 15. Flip over there with me. Luke chapter 15, He tells us three stories there. I want to read to you the first two. Luke 15, starting with the third verse. Jesus said to his disciples, he said this in verse 4, What man of you having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, did not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? How many of you know we were the lost sheep? 
I was the lost sheep. Verse 5 says, And when he hath found it, he left it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Who finds the sheep? The shepherd does. The sheep is not looking for the shepherd. The shepherd is looking for the sheep. He found us. He found us in the free pardon of sin. He found me. When my life was in shambles and I had no peace and I had no purpose and I had no joy and I was just going through the motion, praise God, Jesus found me. He finds us because of His love for us. I'm reminded of Jesus when He was about to feed the 5,000. The Bible says He looked out over that great multitude And he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like sheep with no shepherd. They were wandering around lost. Just trying to get by the best they could. That's where I was. And he found me. He goes on and says, When he finds the sheep, he rejoices. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over the ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. I want you to know if you're here this morning and you're lost, Jesus is looking for you. And you're in a good place. Because listen, church does not save you. Being in a church does not save you. Being a member of a church does not save you. Being baptized in a church does not save you. But I'll say this to you. Church is a great place to get saved. Church is a great place to trust in Jesus. And this morning, he's looking for you if he he hadn't found you yet. (laughs) Verse number 8 says, Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, do not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. When she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner that repents. Jesus is the shepherd who finds the sheep. Jesus is just like the woman being spoken of here who lights a candle and looks in the dark places. Can you say amen? For the coin that's lost. If we've been found, he found us, and that's a reason to praise him. You want a reason to honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, to praise his name, that's it. He found me. And if it's not for the grace of God, I don't know where I'd be this morning, but I promise you it wouldn't be here. Now, not only do you need to see the finding of Philip, but go back to John chapter 1, and let's look at the following of Philip. Jesus said to Philip, follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Let me say this to you. If you've truly been found by Jesus, you will follow Jesus. If you've truly been found, you'll follow. Now what do I mean by follow? Well, I mean whenever Jesus finds you, let me tell you what He does. He gives you a desire by the person of the Holy Spirit when you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit and now He is in you. Can you say amen? For all of those who've been found, for all of those who've been born again, you are now indwelled by the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit that's in you, that new spirit nature, gives you a desire to please God. 
The Apostle Paul talked about it in Romans chapter 7. He said, I now have this desire to do what God wants me to do. Can anybody else testify to that? Before I met Jesus, before he found me, I wanted to do my thing, go my own way, and do what pleased me. It's all about me. But I want you to know, after he found me and I've been born again into the family of God, now I want what he wants. I have a desire for the things of God. Let me tell you what else will happen. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 5 that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the person of the Holy Spirit. And so let me tell you, when, you, when Jesus really finds you, you will follow him because first of all, you love him and you have compassion for others. And loving and serving Jesus, it looks like you loving and serving others. Can you say amen to that? You will follow him. We're learning a lot about following him in our Sunday night discipleship class. Come be with us. And that's a lot what we've been talking about. To really follow Jesus. What that means. What that looks like. For those who have believed. For those who've been found. I, I follow Jesus, and it's, it's not a begrudging task. I, I, I like this right here because you see, when, 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 uh, uh, Philip, when Jesus finds Philip, then Philip goes and finds Nathaniel. Why? Because he wants Nathaniel to get a hold of this good thing that's found him. And that he has found. Now, I want you to know something. How many of you understand, at this point, the Great Commission hadn't been given yet? This is at the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus. We know, according to Matthew 28, 18, that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's the Great Commission, the last thing Jesus told his followers to do. And we, as his followers, are, followers, are to be uh, performing that purpose daily in our lives across the street and around the world. But at this time, when Philip followed Jesus, that hadn't even been said yet. Why did Philip go find Nathaniel? Because Jesus made a difference in his heart. Jesus made a difference in his life. He had found the truth and he wanted others to find it as well. Amen? Folks, I follow Jesus and I tell others about Jesus. Let me tell you why. Because he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Listen, I want to follow Jesus and I want others to, uh, to follow Jesus. Let me tell you why. Because he is my strong tower, the fortress I run to. I want to tell others about Jesus so that they might follow Jesus. Because Jesus, listen, is my everything. And he is my all in all. And if that's not your view of Jesus then do you really know him? we got to ask ourselves these questions. The Bible says he's the rose of Sharon. He's altogether lovely. That's my Jesus. I was talking to a gentleman at my workplace. It's been probably a year or so ago now. And he had made it plain to me that he was not a believer. He had never made a profession of faith in Christ. And I knew that. He knew that. And so he began asking me questions concerning the Word of God. And I knew the Lord was doing something, because like I said before, the lost man, unless God start beginning to do a work and the Holy Spirit is drawing that person unto the Lord, I want you to know, they usually don't even want to know anything about the Word of God. 
They're going their own way, doing their own thing. So I had a feeling that God was working in that. And he began to ask me these questions. We were having some great discussions at work. I mean, some really good discussions about what the Bible says and what it means for us. And every time he'd start going off and asking me about the difference in denominations, why some sprinkle and why some immerse, and I'd just steer him back to the cross. I'd steer him back to the gospel. I'd, I'd start sharing with him his need for Jesus and what Jesus did for him. And every time he started talking about once saved, always saved, or can you lose your salvation, I'd just steer him back to Jesus every time. He, he was wanting to get off on these other things. And finally, he just looked at me and he said, man, all you want to talk about is Jesus. I said, you're right. Absolutely. Let me tell you why. Because Jesus is the answer you're looking for. You may not even know it yet. But He is. And He's drawing you unto Himself. And so, folks, I want you to know. Philip wanted to find Nathaniel because Jesus had found him. Every time you see Philip, that's what he's doing. I wish I had a hundred Phillips. Now, Philip may not be like Peter. Peter had the big mouth, and Peter got to do some really cool things. I mean, Peter walked on water with the Lord Jesus. You remember that, don't you? Peter um, preached on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people got saved, was the first pastor of the first church in Jerusalem. He, he wasn't like James and John, the sons of thunder. James and John were always being heard. They were always letting their opinion be known. You hear about them all throughout uh, the, the, the Gospels. You hear about Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. That's a cool thing. Philip didn't get to do all of that stuff. But let me tell you what Philip did do. Every time you see him, and you don't see him mentioned a whole lot through the Word of God, but every time he's mentioned, he's bringing somebody to Christ. He's bringing somebody to Jesus. If you remember in John chapter 6, when the little boy came with his lunch, and the 5,000 people needed to be fed. It was Pete, Philip and Andrew who brought the little boy to Jesus. In John chapter number 12, the Bible says that there were certain Greeks who came and they said, we want to see Jesus. And you know what Philip said? All right, let me go get Andrew. We're going to carry you to Jesus. Philip and Andrew were a soul-winning duo. They were always bringing people to Christ. You may not be a Peter, you may not be a James, and you may not be a John, but I tell you, all of us can be Phillips. We can bring people to Jesus. Amen? We can take the gospel to them, whether it be at our workplace or at our school or at the grocery store or at the ball game. We can show the love of Jesus through the social gospel and preach the love of Jesus, share the love of Jesus with our lips, also with our lives. We can take the gospel outside these four walls. Let me tell you what else we can do. We can invite people here to hear the gospel. It's not an either or thing. It's an and. We do both. We go out into the highways and byways and we compel them to come in. Because we preach the message of Christ and Him crucified. We can all be Philip's and we should be. Uh, Jesus found Philip and then Philip followed Jesus. If you've really been found, if Jesus has found you, you'll follow. Follow like Philip. Bring others to the Lord. But not only do I want you to see the finding of Philip and the following of Philip... I want you to see the notion of Nathanael. Look at verse 46. And Nathanael said unto Philip, Can there be any good thing that come out of Nazareth? And Philip said unto him, Come and see. <laughs> so 
I can just imagine Philip's, or excuse me, Nathaniel's reaction. And he says, is, are you kidding me, man? Nazareth. That little hole in the wall, nowhere, Nazareth. You, you're trying to tell me something good's come from there? And he sneered and he used that sarcastic tone and he asked, is there anything good that can come from Nazareth? Now, I don't know what prejudice he had toward the people of Nazareth, but he had one. Maybe him being from Bethsaida, maybe Bethsaida used to play Nazareth in high school football. And for four years in a row, Nazareth had just beat the tar out of Nathaniel and Bethsaida. I don't know. Maybe uh, back in the day there was a guy from Nazareth who stole, who stole Nathaniel's girlfriend. I don't know. Maybe that's the case. Maybe, just maybe, it wasn't Nathaniel that had such a big problem with the people of Nazareth. Maybe it was his mom and daddy who didn't like the people of Nazareth. And all Nathaniel's life, he had been told how bad the people of Nazareth were. It's kind of like um, a story I once heard about a businessman who went on a business trip to Papua New Guinea. And everybody knows in Papua New Guinea, that's where the pygmies live. So he goes down to Papua New Guinea and they're trying to set up his bi our business down there and he comes back home and he's sitting in his office and his, one of his good friends come by and says, man, how'd your business trip go? He said, man, you ain't gonna believe it. I saw all those pygmies down there and they all walk in a straight line everywhere they go in a single file line. He said, you mean to tell me all the people walk in a single file straight line all the time? He said, the ones I saw did. Let me tell you what he had done. He takes a small group of people and puts a label on all the people because of the small group he saw. Is that not how prejudice works? We see someone of a particular race, color, creed, religion, whatever. We see someone do a certain thing. And we automatically tag the whole bunch with what that one did. Now if Nathaniel grew up in a home where mom and daddy didn't like the people from Nazareth, so they expected the kids not to like them either. And that was his notion. Can I say it's the wrong one? And you say, brother, why do you say that? Well, that's what I hear all the time, especially in the south where we live. Well, brothers, I says, how I was raised. Well, you was raised wrong. We don't continue with that same attitude. Well, that's just what daddy said. Well, daddy was wrong. Well, that's what mama said. That's what my grandpa said. And there's really good people. That's just how they believed. They was wrong. If you have a problem with a person because of the color of their skin, you're wrong. And anybody who believes that way is wrong. You've heard it before, but I'll tell you this morning, I'll say it again. That skin, that color is only skin deep. Everybody take your Bibles and turn to Acts 17. I want everybody to see this. Acts 17 and... Look down with me, please, at verse number 26. 
Bible says, and hath made of one blood, everybody say one blood. blood. All nations. How many blood? Of all nations. One blood, all nations. That means white nations, black nations, yellow nations, blue nations, if they're purple nations, one blood. One race. The human race. For those of you who went to um, hear Dr. Ken Ham speak when we went to Florence for the Answers in Genesis conference, he made it very clear with scientific proof that all in the world color is is a different shade of pigment in your skin. It's genetics, that's it. Listen, it's one blood. We all came from one man, one woman, Adam. There's no difference in any of us. And I want you to know, listen to me, spiritually speaking, the only color that really matters is the color red. That's the, that's the color of the blood Jesus shed for you, for me, and for this whole world. So we've got to grow past this stuff. It's ridiculous. And if that needs to be seen anywhere, it, it has to be seen in the church. There is no white church or black church or Korean church or Chinese church. It's just the church. Those who have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. Those who have been forgiven. And if you've got a problem with that, then you're wrong. See me after service. We'll talk about it. I'll show you you're wrong. It's wrong according to the word of God. Love people. Love them right where they are for who they are. That's a person Jesus died for. Nathaniel had the wrong notion. But now listen what else. Go back to John chapter 1. We saw the finding of Philip and the following of Philip and the notion of Nathaniel. But I want you to see the nature of Nathaniel. I think this is important. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. I like that. Jesus looks at Nathanael on the outside, but he sees right through him to the inside. And he says, in this Israelite, there's no guile. Do you know what that means, the word guile? Well, I looked it up. There's four synonyms that I want to use for the word guile. First of all, that means there's no deceit. That means that Nathanael was an honest man. There's no falsehood. He was an honorable man. What he did, he did for the right intention. There was no duplicity in this man. That means he wasn't double-tongued or two-faced. What Nathaniel said he meant, he believed, and what he believed he said. Amen. He let his yes be yes and his no be no. This was just a good man. A good man who had a wrong notion and needed a savior. Now let me say something to you. There's a lot of good men and good women in this country. Good as far as the world standards. I mean, we all know we're just sinners standing in need of a Savior, but they're good people like Nathaniel with a wrong notion, and they need a Savior. If you want to heal the racial divide that may be in this nation that I'm not seeing, let me tell you how you do it it's with the gospel. It's with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, we've got the answer for the problems the world face. 
but we've got to give it to them. And guess what, folks? It starts with me and you. Every day, loving Jesus and loving people. Amen? Whoever they are. Whatever they look like. Now Jesus says to Nathaniel, he really gets his attention. Nathaniel said, how do you know me? And he said, before Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw you. Now I don't know what was going on under that fig tree. Maybe Nathaniel was praying and asking the Lord for revelation and for him to guide him and lead him and for what purpose he has for him. I don't know. Maybe he's been thinking a lot about the coming of the Messiah. He's wondering when he's coming, sitting under that fig tree. I don't know. But either way, Jesus knew what was on his heart and on his mind at the time when Philip brought him and before Philip brought him. And don't you know Jesus knows what's on our mind right now at this time and at all times? And Nathaniel believes right then and there. <laughs> and Jesus said, well, if you believe because I told you that, it's going to blow your mind what you see next because you're going to see the angels themselves descending upon the Son of Man. Wow. Now let me say this. If Nathaniel had kept his wrong notion, he would have missed out on a life-changing relationship that the Lord used in a fantastic way. Amen? Wrong notions have to be done away with. And we love people for who they are, right where they are. Everybody stand this morning. what the Lord spoke to your heart I don't know what you need today but he knows and you know you know if you're here and you've never been born again you've never trusted in Christ as your personal savior then why not today he's looking for you he's looking for you just like the shepherd looking for the sheep and the woman looking for the coin he's searching for you and you're here for a reason Nobody in this building this morning is here by accident. Maybe God's got you here so you can hear the message of salvation and be born again. If you need to be saved today, you come down this aisle and say, Brothers, I need to be saved. And like I've said before, I can't save you. And walking this aisle don't save you. And this church sure don't save you. But I can show you through the Word of God what it means to trust in Jesus and be born again. If that's you, you come. Maybe you're here and you are a child of God, but you've got some wrong notions. Maybe some things need to change in your heart, in your life. Well, that's okay. That's what the grace of God is for. And the grace of God is sufficient. It's sufficient for you and it's sufficient for me. I need the mercy and grace of God just like you do. We all do. 
He's in the business of changing hearts and changing lives. And if you need him today, maybe you just want to come and pray for a lost loved one, come and pray for a family member, come and pray for a problem in your life or whatever. These altars are open. The altar is the place you do business with God. Maybe this morning you need to do some business. You be submissive to the will of the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Do what He wants you to do. Trust Him today.